HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning, everybody. This is Joe Campanelli, and you're listening to In The Drink. This is the show that brings you all of the fascinating personalities um, from the beverage world, from winemakers to sommeliers, and uh, today we have a wine distributor, a uh, Bushwick native, a close personal friend, um, just a great guy all around, Mr. Ryan Looper, here from T. Edward Wines. Ryan, welcome. It's good to have you. Thanks a bunch, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Um, this is uh, this is exciting for me because um, I think that the distributor, uh, the wine distributor, or wine rep, as we call it in the industry, is such a vital part of the chain that brings wine from the producer to the importer, to the wine buyer, to the sommelier, to eventually uh, the the drinking public. Um, but probably the uh, the link that I think gets the least amount of respect and is just as important in it as any other. Um, it's something that, that I did for a while. Uh, I worked for a company called Vinifera Imports. Um, I was just a little wet-nosed 22-year-old, and I knew <laughs> nothing about wine or, or, or the world or anything at that time. Um, and I found that I got a lot of, uh, rightfully so, I got a lot of doors slammed in my face. But it gave me a new respect for, for that, uh, for, the, for the whole uh, profession. So, Ryan, thanks so much for, for being here. Man, it's awesome to be here. It's my, you know, I'm a Bushwickian, so I'm, <laughs> I'm super psyched to be here and, and to talk about, uh, I guess, what I do. All right, so we, we work with T. Edward. We work with your company at, at all of our restaurants and uh, our soon-to-open uh, La Picho restaurant. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what, uh, what guides the selections at T. Edward? T. Edward is, um, we'll be celebrating our 20th anniversary in 2014, so it's a, a company that's been around for a while. Um, we are pretty relationship-driven, and it sounds a little trite, but... Um, it's absolutely not. We've met a lot of great growers and a lot of great people just from, hey, you should meet this guy. Hey, you should meet this guy. Hey, this woman's making incredible wine here. And that's really, I think, been the, the, the guiding force behind what we do. And um, it's good to work with people that you like. I think that's 
a lot of people kind of make this like a marketing game or something. It's it really t- for me. I I enjoy every aspect of working with the people in the industry, both from the you know the winemakers, the growers, the you know even the suppliers at times. Um, it's really that's what I think attracts me to this business along with the amount of challenge. Mm-hmm. And involved. I mean, and that's how we started first working together. I have a, a friend who was buying wine at the Waverly Inn at the mm-hmm. time, Janine Lettieri. And, uh, she's like, you got to meet my friend Ryan. He's like, he's just, he's just the best. And he works for T Edward. I'm like, wow, we really don't do a lot of business with them. And then, you know, as soon as, as soon as we met you and we did a lot, a lot more. Um, so I, I do think that that's really important that the relationships, but how do you, how do you do that? How do you like, how do you work on, on building those relationships, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are trying to uh, to sell wine out there. You know, that's a really good question. I wish there were a, a, a formula. I'd probably be sitting on an island somewhere. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, for me, it's it's a lot like um, any sort of dating or friendships. It just takes some things are timing. It takes longer. It's uh, sometimes to get solidarity about things. Um, I think you have to really have a conversation. Sometimes people aren't ready to have a conversation. So I think there's a lot of give and take. I mean, um, for me, I tend to just try and listen more. I think that's the most important thing. I think, I think we as, as a, a sales community, and we're all selling wine together, right? I sell to you, you sell to customers, and we all want to feel good about it. I think the most, one of the lost arts is listening. And um, I like to, to really get a feel. I ask you about wine all the time. I mean, I, I like to get a feel about what you're excited about what you think is cool, what you've tasted that's good. Why do I think this wine is not so good if you think it's good? You know, that's, that's I think, what makes this, it makes it really fun. I mean, that's, that's the really cool part is having a dialogue with people. And, and we do have so many smart people in this industry, and it's great. I feel, I feel very lucky to do what I do. I'm, I feel like uh, uh, blessed. Yeah, and and that word passion gets thrown around a lot, but you know when you come and and, you, and we taste wine, I, it's it's an exciting experience because you're so excited about it, and that that genuine you know excitement and enjoyment uh, I think just just carries through, and I think that's what makes a, a successful sommelier or someone who's selling wine on the floor as well to have that that true and genuine passion hmm. for what you're for what you're selling and for taking care of people. Um, that, you know, that comes through and, and it gets the guests excited as yeah. well. So tell us a little bit about a typical day. What, what's your, what's your office day? Like you don't have an office day. <laughs> <laughs> typical is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a uh, by nature, I like to have things pretty much, you know, I'm a former musician. I like to have things put together and I'd love to be able to map things out. But, uh, the, wonderful wild world of the wine business doesn't really allow you to do that so a typical day you know i'll be in the office for t edward has an office in tribeca and that really is a a a great thing it allows me to pop in and out uh i'll be in the office for a bit i'll bounce out a bit i'll be out all day with a winemaker i'll be you know um out meeting people i'll go out and have lunch uh you know there's I wish there were a typical day <laughs> sometimes, but you know it keeps me on my toes. I'm I'm constantly um, adjusting, and I think uh, it's been good for me because I've I've learned to improvise quite quite a quite a lot. Um, things happen quickly, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very fast-moving uh, wine world in New York. So I, I, I like to be able to be nimble. And then what, what are some of the, your favorite parts uh, of the profession? Um, discovery. Well, you know, one thing at T. Edward is, is we all travel a lot, and that's not normal. Uh, a lot of companies just don't do it. Uh, just the, the, you know, the head of the company will go out and go find wine. And we go out as groups, and we really – I've traveled – I've gotten to travel – to Spain many times, which was life-changing. I've gotten to travel to Italy many times. I've spent a lot of time in Piemonte. Um, I've been uh, to California a lot, and recently it's been very exciting. Um, it's just uh, that one, you know, travel is a, is a huge thing. Um, and seeing where this stuff comes from uh, changes your, your world. You can read a book all day long. You know, you can memorize all the primary cruise, but, mm-hmm. you know... You go to Burgundy, you stand in uh, Corton, and it's something. Um, right. And and also going out to restaurants. You know, I love restaurants. I love restaurants. I've, I worked at Carmine's for years, at Leviathan and Times Square, uh, which is sort of like a it's it's like war every night there. You know, if you work there, you have this knowing glance when you see someone else's work there. But I I always love the energy of the wine business, and uh, it goes so close together with the restaurant business. So, you know, those two together, you know, I'm I'm in restaurants every day. Every day. In restaurants every day. I love it. I love it. And then, you know, the travel, I think travel is just such an important part of of, of learning about wine, about wine education, and being able to convey what that wine actually is, you know, because it doesn't just exist in the glass. What happened in that vineyard, who, what the cult, what the local culture is like, how they would treat the wine, I think really, really affects what that wine is supposed to be. And and, uh, and if you can understand that and portray that, then um, you're really painting a fuller picture of, of what that wine is. Yeah, I mean, you. I always think about the Goodwill Hunting, the movie, when, when Robin Williams is telling Matt Damon, you know, you crushed me, but I fell asleep very easily because I realized, you know, you, you don't know what it's like to, you know, smell what it's like in the Sistine Chapel, or you, you haven't seen what I've seen. You could quote me everything from books. You can memorize everything, but you haven't been there. And that's the thing for me is like, I think, uh, in some ways people like to quote a lot of facts. They like to throw out a lot of things. They like to have all the things memorized, every premier crew, every this, but, but being there, the essence of it is, is I think monumental to understanding wine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about, uh, uh, or tell us about uh, some of the more challenging aspects of, of your job. What's a, what's a not great day like? Uh, there are a lot of things that are tough. I mean, I think, uh, like we were talking before, finding, finding a good dialogue with somebody can, can take a lot of work. And if, if someone doesn't want to dialogue with you, it can be very frustrating. Um, there's a lot of distributors and importers in New York, and uh, probably more than there has ever been. I'm sure it's well over 250. I mean, it's, everyone's out there. I remember five years ago, I, uh, I was walking around, and you'd see a work with, you'd see a winemaker here or there. Now you see winemakers every single day in town trying to sell their wine, walking around with a sales rep. So, you know, I think that's, that's challenging for me is like to, to get people on the same page and, and either meeting up or just really just a dialogue. That can be very challenging um, if you have stock issues, you know, where something goes mm-hmm. out of stock mm-hmm. that is a surprise. That can be tough. Um, delivery of wine can be tough sometimes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there are so many things. What really keeps me up um, would be if I feel like I've I've either screwed up or I'm I'm not doing the best job I can. That would be the one thing that that would really bother me. How do I shift that? You know, that would be the thing that I'm I'd be focusing on. All right. Well, it's good to hear that it's not all um, you know three hour lunches with winemakers <laughs> and hanging out with the beverage director per se. In that moment. right, yeah, that's uh, there are glamorous sides to it, but but really, I, I think if you get into it, it's it's and people always are asking me, you know, how do I get into this or I'm about to start doing this, and really, my only advice is to 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 focus on integrity and honesty. There are so many different ways to sell wine or to present wine or to, to, to meet up with somebody and you either vibe with them or you don't. But if you're honest and you have integrity, I think it all works out. And I think that's, in some cases, what's missing. Um, but yeah, and, and that, that follows through for me with wine. I like honest wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people say natural, people say this, say that. I mean, I like, I like honest wines. So you're going to uh, approach a... Uh an account that you're really dying to get. Say it's a really fancy. <laughs> Let's bring out the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> for New York Times star, three Michelin star restaurant. Oof. Okay. Yes, I've been in this situation. And you really want, you know, you, you'd love to work with these guys. They have a great reputation. You haven't worked with them yet. Um, I'm sure you get a sample budget and it's like mm. one wine that would be on their list would like take your whole budget. Like, <laughs> how, 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 do you, how do you approach something like that? Well, I, see, uh, I will say that when I first started, I did things a lot differently. I was pretty green, uh, naturally. I knew something about wine. I thought I knew something about wine, but I really didn't, didn't know that much, I realize now. Um, I still don't know that much. <laughs> I'm constantly learning. But I, I used to just like come with a book, and like I'd, have a, I'd have a quick drink, and I'd try and catch the sommelier. And, um, that could sometimes work. Uh, it all works if if you if you have a good vibe with them. I wish there was some magic formula. You know, I heard Jan de More speaking on the radio or on a podcast, and he said uh, there's no real formula. And I, I completely agree. Um, sometimes you think you vibe with someone, and it doesn't really happen. But like a four star restaurant, it's tough. <clears throat> my my instinct now would tell me that that I'd reach out to them. I'd let them know I'm coming in even if they're ignoring all emails or, or whatever. And I'd go in and I, I'd probably just check it out. And I'd, I'd see what I like about it. And I'd, I'd try and catch them. I'd be very honest. I'd love to work with you. you know. Um, sit, sit down with me for five minutes. And if, if it's worth it, we'll, we'll work together. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that works most of the time. Um, if, if, you, if you're just really honest with somebody. Um, there's, there's a lot of nerves involved sometimes, sometimes someone's, you know, had a bad experience or whatever, you know, some people had their approach by sales reps every day, five times a day. And so, uh, you know, I like to do things a little differently. Um, yeah, I was always surprised how, uh, how we're in the hospitality industry, but how unhospitable a lot of buyers could be. Um, so I always make it a point to to answer all emails. That's true. You are very good about that. I mean, I think in general, people could take a a note from that and that uh, if you're getting uh, a thousand emails from distributors, there might be some other things going on that you need to address. Um, I, I feel like the sales reps that run around that are really trying to do the right thing. 
um, should be treated like your first customer, just like they treat you. I think it goes both ways. And, uh, uh, you know, I think uh, it, it happens. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such, like I said before, it's just such a valuable and important relationship in the, in the industry. I mean, our, our, most, uh, our most successful wine by the glass of Delanima right now is, is your Il Cole Rosso di Montalcino. And, you know, if we didn't have a good relationship, I know that you'd sell that all around town, but you're sure. putting a little bit aside for us so that we can make sure that we have stock. And, and that's important. That's a, a wine that, that our guests freaking love. They get excited about that. The staff is just super excited to, to sell it. And, and, and that's important. That comes from, uh, that comes from our relationship being strong. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. All right. Um, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about before we go to break. Sure. Um, so what, uh, what, which wine buyers are you excited about, like about their programs, about what they're doing? Um, here in the this city. is a loaded question. Who do you hate? Also, oh, no, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, it could be da- a little dangerous to to just say all you know my top customers. So I'll say some people that I, I really have a huge amount of respect for that I may or may not work with. Uh, I think Christopher Chestnut at Alta and Kata is a uh, savant like uh, gentleman. I like him a lot. He's intense, and he's doing a program at Kata, uh, which is new, that has things that you don't see for... Really, I mean, one of my big complaints across the city is wine's just way too expensive. Mm -hmm. We get obsessed with, as I think wine buyers on both sides, we get obsessed with margins and how do we make this. And and, uh, there's no margin on a wine that doesn't sell. It just doesn't exist. So I like wines, wine programs that give a lot of value, and Alta and Kata do that. You, I just had dinner at uh, Del Anima. I drank some great wine for, for way under where you see at other places. You see, like, Talia will do her. I really enjoy when she'll compare pricing. And, but oftentimes it's the same wines that she's talking about. This Cascina Francia is this here, and it's this here, or whatever. To me, you look at by-the-glass programs, people will start to feel the value if you... Stop deciding that it's all about margin. Sometimes it's got to be about giving them, giving the people something. Yeah. And uh, I think in general, also wine lists are getting way too big. There are people putting out these wine lists that are just ginormous, 450 selections. For me, the ones that are really functioning that I really love are, uh, are the ones that are a little smaller. Um, I love Gramercy as a wine list. I think a lot of people love that wine list. There's a lot of value there. Um, I think Union Square Hospitality Group in general, you can go to any of those restaurants and find a lot of value. Yeah. Um, I think Gramercy is the best wine program. Yes. Best all-around total beverage program uh, in the city, in in, in my opinion. I like people who take chances, too. I mean, you have Blue Hill, Claire Blue Hill. She takes a lot of chances. She doesn't overcharge. I mean, you have people... All over the city, um, there are so many good wine directors. But I think the issue comes where the owner is sitting down and saying, "Hey, uh, what's the margin on on this program?" And you have to be able to say, "I think back. Um, I'm giving people such a huge value that we are rolling through so much wine that this is what we're about. If we're all about just dumbing it down to the lowest common denominator, I had this someone say to me, "Bubble will never know." That was his concept. Bubba will never know that I bought this wine for $3 and I'm charging $12 a glass for it. And I think that's a bad concept. I think we should be doing 
I agree. We we always say it in 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 our group um, with all of our managers that the restaurant industry is just about building good goodwill. You build goodwill yeah. with with your suppliers, with your totally. customers, with your employees. You keep building goodwill, and uh, and eventually good things are going to happen. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna come back after a short break with some of Ryan Looper from T Edwards' favorite wines and his underrated wines. Thanks a lot. You're listening to In the Drink. Campanelli, the beverage director of Del Anima Lartuzzi La Picho Restaurant and Anfora Wine Bar in downtown New York City. And I'm here with my good friend and native Bushwickian. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, Ryan Looper of T. Edward Wines. Um, now we're going to talk to Ryan a little bit about some of the wines that uh, he thinks are very underrated, uh, wines that he personally really loves and um, would like uh, the rest of us to to know a bit more about Ryan. So, what what are some of those lines? Uh, so, I brought a couple things today. I, I uh, one thing that I I think there's a lot of value. One area in France where you can buy a top producer for a fair price um, is the Alsace, and Alsace gets gets very little love generally i mean i think uh there could be more on on wine lists around the city for sure um there's riesling is really caught on i think finally it used to be like everyone would say riesling is going to catch on every year and it kind of wouldn't it's like the peacoat peacoat's coming out by it it would always be on uh on sale at the end of the of the season but uh riesling's done really well and um so i think on top of that you've got uh, some great producers in the Alsace, it's varied terroir, it's historical, um, and really we're running out of areas in France to find value. Um, even Beaujolais is escalating. So this is Dierler, uh, really, really old school producer. They're biodynamic. This is Sylvaner, really old vines. I love the wine. I think it's incredible. You could buy that retail for nineteen ninety nine. That's fantastic. I, that's insane. I, I right? didn't. That's insane. And I didn't even. I didn't wait till you finished telling about it to drink it because this is a, a producer <laughs> that I know and flip and love. It's a really, really good. And just like just killer values. And what what like that's that's just such an interesting thought that Alsace is such a classic 
wine region, um, place with a, a ton of just of just great names, top names, top producers, and we're looking at uh, a place where yeah, it, it's kind of been overshadowed now by some of the other emerging regions, and you can find some really great value. This is insane. This is just I'm a, I've t- just a ton of acidity. Ton of acidity. It's it's it stays on the palate. You got length. It is so food friendly. Minerality for days. I mean, for me, um, you can find and really. Actually, there are so many good growers that people don't know in the Alsace. We're bringing in a guy, Pierre Frick, that a lot of people don't know about. Biodynamics since 1981. Never shaptalized since 81. Um, does everything with crown cap. I mean, it is like super dope, dope stuff. I mean, also some uh, unsulfured things. Uh, I am very excited about the Alsace. And really, it's been the modern has had a lot of Alsace. You have some little pockets. I think uh, uh, Madrigal has some at... at at uh, the Balud Sud restaurant, mm-hmm. but it's underrepresented, and I think that's a shame. So, yeah, th- that's some, my that's my pitch on Alsace. Autumn some, of Alsace. There's some good <laughs> drinking happen over, happening over at the Modern um, for sure. It's just an, an exciting list. You can find some some really old Marcel Dice on that list that that is, uh, is below the price of the of that wine that would be at a uh, you know for the current release, which is which is super exciting. Um, so dealer, very, that's, that's pretty spectacular. What else do you have there? So obviously there's a revolution in California happening. There's some, um, people looking into making wines, uh, with a lot of balance. <clears throat> it's a different idea. I think it's, it's evolved. Um, and there's a guy, Kevin Kelly, he makes a, some wines called, uh, a, a Selenia is his label. He used to be the winemaker at, uh, Lyoko. And now it's John Raytek at Lyoko. Yes, uh, John Raytek of Ceritas fame. Um, that's pretty exciting. So this is the old, the former winemaker from Lyoko. Yeah. And so he, he... when I was in college, my um, visiting professor was uh, Wynn Marsalis. And this guy was like super versed in, in classical music and an amazing genius with jazz, with improvisation. For me, that's that's very much what Kevin is like. He's He's a guy who... Uh, lived and worked with uh, Mayo Camusay, uh, lived at Christian Gouge, came back. You know, he's he's done a lot of different things. This is from a single vineyard in Chalk Hill. The fruits split between uh, Kevin and Pax Molly at Wingap. And this uh, whole cluster macerated Pinot Gris, like Ramato style, um, from that vineyard. It's pretty cool. Wow. I, I mean, it, it looks like a rosé. Um, yeah. And I've never... You know, Pinot Gris is a, a pale kind of red grape, uh, and I've had some other skin mastering Pinot Gris, but nothing that's so so dry. It's yeah. just like just tannic, tannic. Yeah, yeah. It's super firm. Um, but I, I love, the, you know, you've done a lot with these wines. I think uh, when I went to Friuli, these these wines really uh, came alive for me. I started to understand them more. I was in... I got to go to Venice and have a, a wicked lunch, and, and I realized that, that macerated wines can be a bridge between, you know, whites and reds, and you can find a lot of different applications for them with seafood that I think is really cool. Um, and this, you could have a lot larger food than that with this. But yeah, it's, absolutely. It's pretty fun. You know, it reminds me a lot of, uh, of Radican's Pinot Gris. He's doing a Pinot Gris mm-hmm. right now, 100%. Uh, very similar color, also has a ton, a ton of structure. Um, and yeah, that's what I like that I like them for. I like them for those those dishes that you're not sure if you want a white or a red, but they're protein heavy dishes. Uh, maybe it's a game bird. Totally. Maybe it's uh, you know 
even a pork dish that the the set is really you know kind of in the middle um and i think that those skin macerated wines are just a, a really good bridge for that that's that's really exciting stuff that's really it's pretty tasty. sick wine I, i'm i'm very excited by what's what's happening um i went to west of of west fest and saw these sonoma coast growers and i was just like blown away with how good these wines were i think there's a lot of 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 things happening in california that are going to make people very happy Yes, yeah, so one of the things that I always like to do when we taste together is, is I don't want to know the price until until right. after until I've decided. Yeah, you know, I, I, usually when when you taste with with a rep, they'll they'll give you a sheet. Um, they'll give you. I a don't sheet. do that, by the way. Yes, yeah, so Ryan doesn't. <laughs> Ryan does not do that. There's a reason because I don't like people. There are two things that I don't like people doing that are really pet peeves of mine. I don't like people picking up the bottle and looking at the alcohol before I pour the wine. I think that's uncool. I also don't like people to look at a, a wine and look at the price and make a decision before they've even given the, the five seconds that we're, we're given normally. Um, I think some of these wines, you know, you need to leave them in the glass for a bit. You can't just make a two-second, oh, I don't like this. I think in general, that's why I was saying earlier, I mean, I don't like to bring out that much wine, bring out three or four wines tops, because I want to pe- give people time. Put it in the glass, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I like to judge the wine based on what's in the glass and and what the story is of, of the winemaker. And if if I like what's in the if I like that what's in the glass and I like what the story is, then I'll, I'll come up with what I think that wine is worth. And if it's more than I think it's worth, then I won't buy it. And and if it's less, then 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 I will, as long as it you know fits on the list. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, something that's of great value is I think can be pretty obvious. Uh, Rioja, I'm huge fan. I drink a lot of Rioja. I think it's in a very understood area. Um, and in some ways now, I think uh, it's gotten too understood because now it's all about Grand Reserve or Reserva, Crianza, all this stuff, and old school producers. And what I think we're missing is the terroir of Rioja. There's a lot of variance. There's a cultural divide, Basque region, uh, part of it's Basque, part of it's not. Um, as you get up into the hills, it, the elevation Obviously, elevation change, soil change. Mm-hmm. And so here's Lindes de Remiuri, uh, which is from Telmar Rodriguez. And this is really exciting because this is, um, he's actually delineated the villages that this is from. And this is the future of Rioja for me, is delineating actually where it is from. This is from La Bastida and uh, San Vicente. But part of my beef is, like, I, I love Lopez, right? Everybody loves Lopez. But if you ask most people where Tondonia is, they have no idea. And that's where I think we're missing a piece with Rioja. And I, what I like about this is, of course, he's doing all the right things in the vineyard. You know, he's, he's I'm not going to say it's 200-year-old oak barrels, but I mean, he's, you can taste it. It's obviously Rioja. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think is uh, really exciting about what he's doing. He's a revolutionary guy. To get them to put the villages on a label is a big deal. So you think there's terroir that is associated with each specific village? For sure. There, if there's an old school map of Rioja, mm-hmm. and you can see the the, the soil, um, and it's it's very interesting because the the great soils you have you know some great vineyards that are on those soils, and Rimiuri is the highest elevation uh, house. All their plots are the highest elevation in Rioja. Um, I think there's a lot there. I think we get obsessed with uh, Grand Reserva, and I can understand that. I was just telling you I've had some great Grand Reserva. I love it. But I think it, it should be site-specific, too. What do you think? Yeah, that's right. Um, 
No, between uh, during the break, uh, Ryan and I were talking. I was like, man, that was such a good... That was such a good call, like calling out Christopher Chestnut about how great his lists are. And I, I've had multiple exciting drinking uh, experiences, like just feeling like I'm robbing him. Like, like there's, <laughs> dude, that, that's less than it cost you for that bottle. Totally. How is that possible? Um, and he was saying that he's able to get some really great old Muga Grand Reserve on, on that list for you know for a very reasonable price. Um, but yeah, I think that understanding. The uh, the terroir is something that's missing. Um, it's, You'll it's see kinda... a lot more Rioja coming yeah. out in the in the coming years. You already see the big houses putting out these lar- like large Cune offers going back to way back in the day, but there'll be more. I, you know, I think of it kind of like uh, where the Mosul is missing its you know its opportunity. Um, you have the Dead name on. of just like uh, of the ripeness level that's on that's on the bottle, and that really doesn't tell you anything anymore. It really really has. You know, if you if it's a cabinet or a spate lisa, I mean, everyone can pretty much get the get those ripeness levels in most years if you have a decent vineyard. And you know, nowadays for sure. Yeah, nowadays it didn't. So yeah, so understanding the the terroir as opposed to the the ripeness level or or if it's reserve or ground reserve is. It's it's the idea of elevage versus site. Mm-hmm. I'm more I'd, I'm more interested in the site driven side of it, and I think that's where it's going to go. Um, you, you, when you go to Rioja, I'm sure you probably yeah. already been, you go and you stand in a couple different vineyards. You, you go to a, an old vine, Prefiloxera vineyard in uh, Torre Montavo, and then you go over to San Vicente by mm-hmm. Remy Uri. There is a major difference. It's just like, uh, you know, when you're in Burgundy and you walk 20 feet to the next vineyard, you go into, you know, Le Champagne or whatever. It's different. So it's cool. Okay, since we're uh, <clears throat> since we're running low on time, and it's rare that I'll have an, a native Bushwicky <laughs> here. Um, what so? What are some of the what's going on in the Bushwick wine scene right now? Are there some are, are there some restaurants that have interesting wine programs? Are there is there where would you, where do you buy wine? Do you is there a local wine shop? Like what what's going on here? Tell tell us about the landscape. Uh, the Northeast Kingdom has really made some great changes. I just had a dinner there, and they have some crazy values. Great wine. She's not overcharging. Um, and uh, her name's Debbie. They they really are doing a great job over there. Uh, they've done some revamp. I just had a great meal and, and a great time with wine there. Um, as far as buying wine, it's tough. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I There's a shop over here. I haven't been in there enough to really make a judgment call, but um, I think that's one thing we're missing. And I think as a wine scene, I think we're a little, you know, we're on the young side. I think we're we're getting there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to move quickly. There are restaurants opening all over the place here, and I think it's going to really, uh, it's, the story is yet to be told about what happens with the with the mm-hmm. wine in in Bushwick, but I think there's a lot of opportunity. People are really open in this neighborhood. I love this neighborhood. It's uh, it's been amazing to me. So it's still spicy, and that's great. Yeah, walking through uh, you know walking through the restaurant this morning, I saw a bottle of Palo Bay on the shelf here in Alberta. <laughs> so it's nice to see. Nice. Yeah. I don't think you know five years ago, anyone would have thought that any Palo Bay was being served in Bushwick. Yeah, yeah I mean, Roberta's has some cool stuff on the list that's been there. Uh, the Cantina Giardino stuff is on there. They got mm-hmm. some wacky stuff, and they got some straight up stuff. It's it's cool. It's cool. It's in development. All right. Well, thank you so much. That's Ryan Looper from T. Edward Wines. Look at the back of your bottle of wine if you see T. Edward. It's uh, it's probably going to be pretty tasty. Um, thanks so much for listening. I'm Joe Campanelli for In the Drink. Thanks a lot, Joe.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.